Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Hello, beautiful friends. I'm Natalie. And I'm Claudine. And this is Shokran Very Much, the podcast. And this week's episode is called Creation and Dinosaurs. So this week's topic is the one that's a little bit new, a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We don't hear it a lot in the Coptic Church, but it's super exciting. It's giving me flashbacks to my brother's little dino toys (laughs) and the idea that these can be discussed in a church context and an apologetics context and a theological context is super exciting. We have a very, very, very qualified speaker to speak with us about this topic. Um, He has two master's degrees, one in apologetics and one in theological Theological studies. studies. He teaches at ACTS. And he also taught, he was a professor in college, he taught in high school, and he is the resident dinosaur speaker for the entire (laughs) Coptic Church, which is everywhere. So we're super excited to have Henry out with us today. How are you? Great. Thank God. Thank you for having me, ladies. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. We're so excited. So we start every episode with an icebreaker. This is one you didn't have sent to you beforehand, (laughs) which is why it's always the most exciting for people. This icebreaker is only fitting for this. And and don't limit yourself to dinosaurs, okay? Okay. So if you could be an animal for a day, what animal would you be? Hmm. (laughs) I could be an animal for a day. What would I be? I think I'd be like, I think I would be an eagle. So I can (laughs) soar and fly through the air. You know, it's it, 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 it's one of the incorporeal beasts that we have in the in the mm-hmm. church, and I do love Saint John the Beloved. I think that's his beast, right? I think so. I think so. I think so. I, I so, wouldn't know for sure. Yeah. But so I, think I so. love flying through the sword. I, I Saint John the Baptist is my favorite saint, or Saint John the Beloved, excuse me, is my favorite saint. And I don't know. I just that freedom and, and, and <laughs> to like, and I can just cruise and look at God's creation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's just wonderful. Like, yeah. When you yeah, see yeah. pictures, you're like, I'm gonna Whoa. salute now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, if you could be a dinosaur, which one would you be? Mm. Um, um, I don't know. I think... Uh, the flying one. The flying one. Yeah. <laughs> the flying I think the flying one. What isn't it called? Like a pterodactyl? Pterodactyl, yeah. I, I yeah, can't yeah, tell you. Idea. It's the pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah? Okay. yeah? Great. Okay. Good job, Claudine. Yay! <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a big question. Um, how long is a creation day? So um, before we begin... I wanted to talk about the limitations of science. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to remember that when it comes to science, especially with anything dealing with the topic of origins, there are limitations and there are severe limitations. Mm -hmm. One of which is that we are speaking about something that has occurred in a very distant past. So unless someone was there to observe the event, it will always remain a hypothesis or theory without an observable eyewitness. And the term observable is going to come up several times mm-hmm. because um, we tend to forget this term, and, and it's, very, it's very essential. Uh, we can never know with 100% certainty what really happened unless someone was there to observe it. That is why laws are only prescribed to things that occur in the present. For example, if we look at the laws of physics... Uh, we can still observe and test that today in the lab. But things that Mm -hmm. happened in the past, it's already happened. Yeah. Um, uh, That's why I love this passage from Ecclesiastes. And uh, it's chapter 3, verse 11. And I would love for all of us to remember this. So whenever we're we're having doubts or we're, we're fearful of something or we hear something about science that starts to create a doubt, we can remember this verse. It says, he, referring to God, has made everything beautiful in its time. 
also he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So we're not meant to know everything, mm-hmm. you know, especially for origins and the beginnings. It's, it's for us to rely on our faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think that mystery is there for a reason. Only God is supposed to know everything. He is the Pantocrator, the creator of all things. For us, we are to po- supposed to have that mystery, and in that mystery, we rely on our faith. Um, we're also going to see that origins are always attached to theories. So if we think of the origin of the universe, the Big Bang, theory. Yeah. Uh, if we think the origins of life, theory of evolution. And sometimes some, some scientists will say, um, but there's evidence. And others will say, well, we have a great amount of evidence. But what you're going to realize is that evidence is still limited because it's not observable evidence. In other words, it's not empirical. It's not evidence that we can see happening today. Mm-hmm. And so observable evidence is saying, can we see this process still happening today? Can we see it unpack the events occurring? And we cannot. And because of that, the evidence will always remain limited and it will always remain a a hypothesis or theory. So whatever I speak about today will only be variations of different hypotheses and theories. No laws, no facts. Because no one was there to see it. Also, I will be simply presenting multiple various perspectives, allowing each person to decide for themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the length of a creation day. So... The idea of, of the creation day uh, stems from the Hebrew word um, Yom. And we see this in like Yom Kippur, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Day of Atonement. Yeah. And so the Hebrew that's spoken today is known as modern Hebrew. In, in the time of biblical scripture, that was what we call classical Hebrew, which is a broken language like Coptic. Mm-hmm. It's not used anymore. So it has a very limited vocabulary and only has a few nouns. Mm-hmm. Okay, And because of this, each noun has to have multiple duties. So every noun has multiple definitions and multiple usages. Okay, So example. The term earth that's mentioned in Genesis 1 has five different literal definitions, and the term heaven has three. Well, uh, yom works in the same way. Uh, It could refer to any of the following four distinct time periods. So it can refer to a portion of the daylight hours, such as like noon to three, noon to four, noon Mm -hmm. to five, like a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. It uh, It can refer to sunrise to sunset. Yeah. which is like a half day, which is like a 12-hour block. Um, and then the last two definitions have caused a huge schism, a split among mainstream Christians today, uh, which are young earth creationists and old earth creationists. So the young earth creationists believe in one of the four definitions, and that's the third one, a 24-hour time period. Mm-hmm. Okay, The old earth creationists believe in the other one, which is the last one, a long but finite time period, okay? And now, whatever you believe in makes a huge difference in your understanding of creation, Mm -hmm. okay? So, let's go over each one, and I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. So, with young earth creationists, I'm going to talk about the scientific side and the scriptural side, Mm -hmm. how we see it in scripture. And so, 
Young Earth creationists take things literally. It's a literal interpretation of 24-hour block. Mm -hmm. If we adopt this model, it goes against very strong mainstream scientific evidence. It actually goes against three very strong scientific uh, dating methods. The first one, it goes against the concordance model, which determines the age of the universe, which they believe, scientists believe, it's 13.7 uh, billion years old. Mm -hmm. It goes against radiometric dating, which is determining the age of the Earth, 4.5 billion years old, and radiocarbon dating, which is determining the age of organic materials, which is up to 60,000 years. Now, if we take the 24-hour model, that means all of creation was done in one week, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that means the age of the Earth only is roughly around six to 10,000 years old. So you compare young Earth creationists with six to 10,000 year old Earth compared to scientists who believe it's 4.5 billion years old, there's no compromise there. There yeah. is a huge discrepancy between those it's two a models. Huge difference. Yeah. Exactly. So how do we how do we reconcile those two? We can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's it, it, it's too big of a scas uh, uh, of a of a gap. It's too mm -hmm. big of a gap. Um, and again, I'm not here to tell my opinion. I'm just giving you both sides of the story. Yeah. Uh, the scriptural side. Uh, there's a lot of powerful um, arguments against young earth creationists. I'm only going to pick one, and it's called the argument from the sixth day. And if we read the sixth creation day of, uh, uh, overview, so if we just look at creation day six, mm -hmm. we know that there's two descriptions of it. We read it in Genesis 1, verses 24 to 31, and we read it again in more detail in Genesis 2, verses 5 to 25. And there's a lot of events that occur in creation day six, and it's very hard to argue against it to try to squeeze all of those events into a 24-hour time slot. That's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. So if we just took those two, here is what God created on just creation day six. He created a host of creatures to live and flourish on the land. He created human beings, planted a garden in Eden, caused trees and plants to grow in the Garden of Eden, planted the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, placed Adam in the garden to tend and keep it. God brought every cattle, bird, and beast to Adam to name them. Then Adam had to give names to every different kind of cattle, bird, and beast. On top of all that, it's likely these activities were limited to daylight hours only because we notice that at the end of each creation day, you go, and today was the 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 evening of the, of this mm -hmm. day and then he doesn't talk about any more details and then he goes on to the next day yeah and and this is still a work ethic we still emulate as humans today that we only have our work day mm -hmm. during the daylight hours adam had to spend enough time with each creature individually to find out that there was not found a helper comparable to him god caused a deep sleep to fall on adam perform some divine procedural surgery to fashion the first woman Eve from Adam's side. And then this is the big one. When Adam recovers, he sees Eve and says something. He says, Pa'am. And Pa'am in Hebrew is written 13 times in the Old Testament and they all mean the same thing. At long last. 
Now, why would Adam say at long last if it was just one 24-hour day? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Wow. Right? So that, yeah. that, that that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we look at the old earth creationists, they look at it in an allegorical interpretation, which the yeah. church fathers follow. Yeah. And it's also what we follow as Christian Orthodox. So what's the difference between literal and allegorical? Literal interpretation we take when it comes to like people, places, and events. Mm -hmm. We believe that Adam and Eve did exist. Cain and Abel did exist. Mm -hmm. Those people in the Old Testament did exist. We also believe that those events took place. He did create all of these things. Mm -hmm. And we also believe in places, like historical, uh, and, and we're realizing this in paleontology, that they're, they're actually uh, discovering these places all over the world, that these cities all in the Old Testament did occur. But now we have to also take it allegorically as well. Now, allegorical is the deeper hidden theological meanings in the Old Testament. Okay, an example. Uh, in John 15, Christ uh, refers to himself and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Mm -hmm. Every branch that it Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Mm -hmm. Now, is Christ truly a vine? No. Is he made up of branches and fruit? No. Right? And is the God the Father the vine dresser? Mm -hmm. No. We take that allegorically. This is why God spoke in parables. Mm -hmm. Because he wants, he wants his people to understand the spiritual realm. The, the heavenly things and we and it's too difficult for us so we spoon feed just like a child yeah he makes it very delicate and he's very careful with with us to not to, to not say it all at once okay so old earth creationists ascribe to all the different types of scientific dating methods with no problem because we don't have a restricted time and let's say in whatever happens they're off by millions of years. Doesn't affect the old Earth creationist model. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it's conducive to any possible uh, age range, and is protected by any attacks that scientists may discover in the future when determining the age of origins. We don't we don't put ourselves in a black and white statement. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the scriptural side. What we're going to see here is that um, the definition of creation day. It uses three of those four definitions. In Genesis 1 verse 5, the 12-hour day, which is from day from sunrise to sunset, is used when God says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. We can see that. Uh, the third definition that the young earth creation is adopted is used in verse 14 of Genesis 1, where it says, let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. But then... This one hurts them. And this one is very, very powerful. And this is Genesis 2, verse 4. So you see Genesis 2 with the detail of creation day 6. And now here, it really, really hurts the young earth creationist model. Because here's what it says. This is the history. Now the history in Hebrew is toledoth. And toledoth uh, means generations, plural. So here's what he says. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in that day the lord god made the earth and the heavens 
Here, the term yom is literally translated to generations, plural, in Hebrew, and refers to all six creation days, which is a time period that is evidently longer than 24 hours. And just to let you know, a single generation is the average period of about 20 to 30 years long. Mm -hmm. But then it doesn't stop there. Thus, yom, if we go through the entire scriptures, has a lot more definitions yeah. mm -hmm. in its biblical context. It can mean time, which we read in Genesis 4 and Isaiah 30. Seasons, we see in Genesis 40 and Joshua 24. Years which we see in 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2 Chronicles chapter 21. Ages, we see in Genesis 18 and Joshua 23. And then this is, and this is the big one. It can also refer to always. So it's never ending. Mm -hmm. And we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 2 Chronicles chapter 18. So the debate between young earth and old earth creationists comes down to how one defines the term yom. In fact, no other word in Biblical Hebrew carries this meaning. Therefore, it is the only term available in describing creation days. And um, here, I want to end with this quote. I'll, I'll finish with this quote from a very, very uh, famous, well-known, and he was actually my professor, um, a Christian apologist by the name of Hugh Ross. Mm -hmm. And he states this. He says, in Biblical Hebrew, no other word besides yom possesses the meaning of a long but finite time period. Therefore, if Moses wanted to communicate a creation history consisting of six eons, he would have no other option but to use the word yom to describe those eras. Mm -hmm. Mic so, drop. Yeah. yeah. So I know it was long. I apologize. No, no, no but it's, okay. it's a big question. Yeah. yeah, but that's going to now set the stage for all mm -hmm. the other questions, yeah. which are going to be faster, yeah. I promise. Yeah, and the quote you said at the end, it reminded me of something Abuna always says where he goes, like, a lot of what he's amazing yeah what he said about how we know that um genesis is true and factual mm -hmm. is that the terminology used in it is very limited because yes. if it used the big terminology that we have now then that would just say that like how does he have it back then exactly but because the terminology is so limited yeah. like you know it's true you know it was written back then yeah. so and, and he didn't have a choice but to use yom, yom. yeah exactly yeah. yom has to be used because that's all he can that's all he can work exactly, with. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like if, if he was more modern or if this was written falsely or later on then they would have used them more and there would be a lot more questions and doubts. Yeah. 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 We talked about how long a creation day is, but you know, from my basic understanding of what happens during them, where exactly do dinosaurs fit? So it depends on which definition of Yom we adopt. Mm -hmm. Right? Which one we want to believe in. The young earth creationists would say that they coexisted with humans and died at the time of Noah during the Great Flood. So this becomes problematic mm -hmm. because a, mm -hmm. a couple of questions come up. First one is this doesn't explain why the aquatic dinosaurs disappeared since they would have survived the Great Flood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, this is why we still see very massive large sea creatures today like the blue whale, which is the mm -hmm. biggest of all time. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, they have found fossils remains of small sized dinosaurs which are the size of chickens and the smallest dinosaur ever discovered is the size of a hummingbird so many people think that all dinosaurs are massive but no they come in very various sizes oh. so that means these dinosaurs would have easily been small enough for noah to carry into the ark mm -hmm. and would have most likely survived until present day yet 
we don't see any traces of them anywhere. Yeah, because he, he did tell him to take two of each creature, so why would yeah. he just skip over these ones? He's like, yeah. no, you guys are done. I've yeah. seen, like, icons, though, or not icons, like, images where dinosaurs are present in, like, the Noah in, in his yeah. situation. No, like, just going in. I can oh, show you after, but yeah. a picture like a T-Rex trying <laughs> to go into the ark. Yeah, I know. I was just like, it's going to break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we would have we would have been able to see the smaller dinosaurs around, mm -hmm. but we don't see any type of those type of dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And then if we adopt the old Earth creationists, then they would take the scientific route and say that it makes more logical sense that all dinosaurs vanished during the t tumultuous development of Earth when many other species went extinct as well. They existed millions of years before humans came along. So scientifically speaking. Dinosaurs appeared around 250 to 65 million years ago. That's not near the time frame as the young Earth creationists. Yeah. And we're most likely created on the fifth or sixth day of creation mm -hmm. because that is when God created all the different types of living creatures. Mm -hmm. um, so wh why wasn't like the creation of dinosaurs like explicitly mentioned in Genesis? So... Um, not everything that has ever existed is mentioned in the Bible, and not every kind of animal or living thing is individually listed for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, like all the different species of mammals, for example, right? We we, we don't get a long list of yeah. all the different types or kinds of animals. So God's scriptural purpose is salvation to mankind, not animals. So only what is essential for our salvation is mentioned in the Bible. Remember that scripture is the word of God. It's a spiritual text mm -hmm. to direct us to himself, not a scientific journal. Yeah. We expect it to be listed like the genealogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> the hippos and the lions and the giraffes and the kangaroos and the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but are they mentioned anywhere else? Um, there is no biblical mention of them anywhere in scripture. However, some Christians interpret the terms behemoth and leviathan mentioned in Job chapters 40 and 41 as referring to dinosaurs. However, mm -hmm. this is most likely not the case, and here's why. So let's go over behemoth first. Okay. So behemoth comes from the Hebrew word behema, meaning cattle, which we reread in creation day six when he created the cattle. It was used to describe very large, massive, that's where we get the word behemoth from, mm -hmm. um, land creatures that humans were afraid of. So in reference to Job, uh, it states that it was eating grass like an ox, therefore probably a large mammal. Mm -hmm. Since dinosaurs were reptiles, not mammals, behemoth most likely wouldn't refer to them. Most historians believe and agree that the Bible re was uh, referencing a hippopotamus. Why a hippo? <laughs> so, uh, several reasons. And again, I want to make sure we're clear that I don't care if it's a hippo. I'm just yeah. saying... Uh, logically speaking, mm -hmm. it's more likely to be this than, than yeah. a dinosaur, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter which animal it is, no. but to just assume it's a dinosaur it is kind of, of, of a, a longer or, or mm -hmm. bigger leap. So a hippo is also known as a river horse that are uh, herbivores that feed primarily on plants and grasses, which matches the biblical narrative it was eating grass. Mm -hmm. The second one, though, is, is a little bit... Uh, it makes a lot more sense. At that time, hippos were known to cause many deaths. Oh. Therefore, people were in great fear. And that's what that's what the uh, the term behemoth is referred to, something that they're mm -hmm. fearful of. Yeah. 
and so they stigmatize them as wild killer beasts. The point of the passage is to convey the impression that these creatures struck terror in the hearts of humans who may have encountered them. Now let's talk about Leviathan. Leviathan comes from the Hebrew word Leviathan, meaning to turn, twist, or coil, like what we see creatures, sea creatures do yeah. uh, in the waters. So that's why it states, and, and this is, uh, I really, I, I actually like how it leads to this. In Job 41, it says, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare it with a line? Kind of like fishing, right? Mm. But then further on, it states with harpoons or fishing spears. That's very clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So probably referring to a large aquatic creature. Mm -hmm. Okay, such as a crocodile or alligator, which they were oh. very fearful of. In some parts in, of Africa, these species account for more human deaths than all the other large animals combined. So the behemoths ruled the land while the leviathans ruled the seas. I mean, y'all can't see this, but me and Natalie keep looking at each other <laughs> yeah. like, where is the, what? <laughs> yeah, so, this is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Thank you, you're it's, very kind. It's very interesting that the Bible can like, it just has like hints, but we, we just like, it's, yeah. it's giving Over you the opportunity to use the brain yeah. that God gave you. <laughs> it's like, you can infer yeah. what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah, but it's so cool. Like, I mean, a, a hippo, let's say hypothetically it is a hippo and a crocodile. The fact that they can kill more people than, like, especially when you say in Africa. Like, I, when, when you say Africa, I think lions, tigers, yeah. cheetahs, but no. Cheetah. Crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. Be because people have to bathe. People have to go to the mm -hmm. water source. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I mean, watch out, Florida. <laughs> well, there's been instances in Florida, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so when and how did dinosaurs become extinct? So if we believe that dinosaurs did, in fact, become extinct before mankind, mm -hmm. then the only uh, option, the only thing that we can adopt and speak about is the old Earth creationist model. Okay. Which takes a scientific approach. Scientists believe that dinosaurs went extinct about 65 million years ago at the end of the Cretaceous period, mm -hmm. after living and dominating the Earth for about 165 million years. Um, how? Scientists believe that dinosaurs disappeared during a mass extinction called the Cretaceous Tertiary Extinction Event that killed off the dinosaurs and many other species as well that took place some 65 million years ago. So paleontologists believe that this catastrophic event was caused by climatic and geological changes that interrupted the dinosaur's food supply, which could have been triggered by any numerous uh, environmental factors or natural, dis uh, natural disaster events that could still occur today and we still see it. So here are some examples. Okay, um, it could have been a vast amount of violent volcanic eruptions that would have caused large-scale climate change, mm -hmm. a massive global earthquake that possibly caused continental drift, Pangaea, like the yeah. continents we have today, and we see evidence of this in plate tectonics, or a nine-wide asteroid impact called the Chicxulub asteroid. That's a funky name. <laughs> uh, which would have generated a massive tsunami with waves more than a mile high, block out the sun for four, for 15 years, and set off global wild wildfires. This would have wiped out the dinosaurs along with three quarters of the planet's plant and animal species and completely transformed the geological landscape of planet Earth. Now, we're going to read something in scripture 
and I want you guys to tell me what comes to mind when I read this. Okay. okay. This is Psalm 104, 27 to 30. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then I'll tell you when to really focus on this. It says, these all wait for you, that you gave them their food in due season, which we read in, mm -hmm. in the Divine Liturgy every yeah. Sunday. What you give them, they, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. And then it says this. Mm -hmm. This is pretty remarkable. It says, you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Extinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You send forth your spirit, they are created. Existence. Mm -hmm. And then he ends with this. And you renew the face of the earth. And I think of, um, when you renew the face of the earth, I think of a mass extinction. He's replenishing the earth with new species. Yeah. And this is during the creation account. So a group goes extinct, and a new group comes in, and so it's all different. Exactly, because as the earth is changing and forming and uh, kind of like developing, these new species mm -hmm. die off and new species co yeah. come along. Okay, And again, this is during the creation accounts. This mm -hmm. wouldn't be after humans. This would be in preparation for them. Yeah. Because I was about to say, if there was this huge event, why are we not talking about exactly. it? But apparently we did. So. Yeah, and it, scientifically they know there's been mass extinction. I'm going to talk mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So it's not for sure an event. No, no, no. no. Uh, and how it, it happens doesn't really matter, but the asteroid is the is what scientists believe is the most yeah. plausible. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they they are saying that there, there has been huge catastrophic events that has mm -hmm. caused the reformation of this landscape yeah. on planet earth yeah. so you talked about how they can be really tiny like hummingbirds <laughs> yeah. but i still can't get the t-rex out of my like how, how can they be so big so this actually plays an important role mm -hmm. um during uh during those uh times those prehistoric times there was prehistoric giants uh, that used to populate the earth and thrived under very different environmental conditions so not just dinosaurs were big, it is believed that all species of animals were just bigger in the past. Oh. They believed that there, there was airplane-sized uh, pterosauruses, massive crocodiles and snakes, armadillos the size of cars, and even dragonflies the size of hawks. No. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. Bugs? No. 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 Plane size? No. <laughs> so the question is, What's the science behind this? Yeah. So the scientific reasoning is a hypothesis that there was high oxygen content in the air mm -hmm. based on uh, analyzing tiny amounts of gas trapped inside 215 million year old rocks. In general, mammals require large amounts of oxygen just to move and to me uh, metabolize their food. Bigger animals need more oxygen because they have more cells that need oxygen to perform cellular respiration. Mm -hmm. So each cell in an organism requires oxygen to perform these vital functions. And when there are more tissues in the body, the total amount of oxygen required increases. So to summarize, <laughs> uh, so the longer you live, the more time you have to grow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that means if you're living longer, you're going to be massive. You're just yeah. going to grow more because you're yeah. taking more oxygen over time. Mm -hmm. um, this would explain both why humans lived longer in the Old Testament say, before yeah, Noah's time. I was about to say. And we know that, that there was the existence of giants before Noah's flood. We know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it says here in Genesis three uh, 6, 
uh, verses 3 to 4. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. And you know what's crazy about that? That's about the limit of how long someone lives. Mm -hmm. You don't hear people living past 120. Yeah. yeah. Right? I don't think I've heard it once. Maybe mm -hmm. there's a few. But that's usually the limit is about 120 years yeah. old. And then he says right after, in the same breath, there were giants on the earth in those days. Why would he mention giants right after mentioning the 120-year uh, cap? In other words, there was giants and people lived long, right? We know that. We yeah. look at the genealogy before Noah. They lived eight, nine hundred years old. Yeah. Now <laughs> you're you're decreasing that to 120, yeah. and it's not a coincidence. We don't see giants anymore. He's saying why? Yeah. yeah. So now we don't see giants. I don't know if I'd want. So to it live goes hand in hand. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to live 800 years. Like yeah. I, it's over. Yeah, <laughs> I think God had mercy and compassion. Yeah. These yeah. people were like to live in torture on this planet. Yeah. And remember that. Christ didn't come yet. Mm -hmm. So they're living in, agon in uh, agony. Mm -hmm. And this is why he said when these, these men were beastly, mm -hmm. he called, like he was referring to them like yeah. they were out of control. They were acting yeah. like animals. And so that's why he had to, to wipe, you know, yeah. to wipe humanity and start over with Noah. So why would God create like an entire species and, you know, gave them a, like a timeline to, you know, live um, just to make them become extinct later? Like, was there like a beneficial purpose to their like existence? That's a great question. Uh, this can be answered based on our last response. So I kind of mm -hmm. like yeah, set yeah. it up for yeah. this one. Um, the sheer size of these ancient creatures literally reshaped Earth's terrain. Mm -hmm. Okay. As the Earth was still forming, these massive landscapers transformed the planet and made it more habitable for smaller creatures like us. So large animals alive today, such as elephants and giraffes, can change an entire entire environments merely by walking and eating. For example, elephants often push over trees during their foraging. So a habitat with elephants will be more open and sparse looking than a place where trees aren't regularly being toppled. Mm -hmm. Because they're so massive, just by them moving and walking around, they're completely changing the landscape of planet Earth. Mm -hmm. So... As animals walk along the same routes to water or food sources, they trample down paths that wouldn't otherwise exist. God was using large animals to reshape the landscape for the arrival of smaller animals. Whoa. Okay? That's yeah, so, really cool. And, and, and remember, what, remember what we said earlier? That dinosaurs lived and dominated the earth, uh, they, they assume, 165 million years. So they had 165 million years to use planet Earth kind of like their playground. <laughs> they can just around. walk around, <laughs> run around, and they're changing the landscape for 165 million years. So uh, they, they were very useful yeah. in preparation for the next creation. Living lawnmowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so if we, uh, I also think about what we said earlier where he goes, and you renew the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is kind of, this This wow. could be one of those, right? Mm -hmm. Using dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's uh, believed that God repeatedly replaced extinct species with new ones. In most cases, the new species were different from the previous ones because God was changing our planet's geology. And he was doing it little by little. Mm -hmm. In preparation for his ultimate creation on earth, the human race. We must remember that God is preparing the world and animals step by step for his ultimate crown of creation, humanity. That explains why we were created towards the end 
of creation on day six. He was preparing the world for his masterpiece. <laughs> okay, He was preparing the world for us, which is his image and his likeness. Okay, So our devoted and benevolent father desires only the very best environment for our coming. It's kind of like parents who prepare their house for the arrival of a newborn. God could have had mass extinctions or multiple creative acts on the way to creating humans. In fact, there have been five big mass extinctions in Earth's history called the Big Five. Mm -hmm. So, again, um, th these are all hypotheses. These are all just theories. And so we're just seeing what science is saying about that. That's all we're yeah. doing. Everything we've learned has been incredible. Oh, yeah. And our, our, our yeah. mouths have been like jaws to the floor the entire time. So I'm very curious as to why we don't talk about this more in the church. Like, why don't we talk about dinosaurs? Why don't we discuss prehistoric times a lot? That's, that's also a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's for several reasons. I, I think one is we have to be careful mm -hmm. uh, in because we don't, we tend not to want to mix theology with science, mm -hmm. which in most cases is a very good thing because we don't want to forget the main reason of why we're, we're going to church, mm -hmm. our, our time in, in church. Science can be both a distraction and can cause harm to our faith if misused. We have to remember that science is very limited and is a human construct of our limited understanding of the world around us. There is misinformation and misinterpretation that leads our congregants with bad science. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful. We have to be careful in how we implement science to our youth. Yes, we want to answer appropriate questions and we want to answer their curiosity. However, we don't want to lead anyone astray from the, from the faith based on science. It is okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. Let me do some research and get back to you. Or simply, there is no scientific explanation. You must trust in your faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. So science is a very limited tool. Yeah. And lastly, it's irrelevant to the story of salvation. So in whatever model you believe in, and whatever you want to adopt for yourself, it doesn't change. It anything. doesn't change your salvation. Right at the end of the day, um, pun intended. <laughs> um, so we simply don't know who's right and who's wrong, and frankly, it doesn't matter. All we can do is present the different sides of each theory. Science only tells us one side of the story. It only gives us a glimpse, and that it tells us how mm -hmm. God created, which has no bearing on our salvation. But why? But but we should know why. He created for the spiritual benefit of our faith because the why gives us our doctrinal belief. Okay, so we ultimately care about the message, the meaning of the creation story, not so much the process, the facts. Science simply has no bearing on our salvific doctrine. It's just fun to explore. Shukran very much, Henry, for <laughs> your pleasure. time with us. Thank, Thank you, you for this your was, patience with me. No, this, this was, was awesome. so fun. Yeah. This was so fun. It was very scientific, but it was very beneficial I liked it. and very entertaining. And I apologize for mentioning the T-Rex over and over again. No, it's okay. <laughs> 
you know what? That's in the minds of so many viewers and listeners out there. T-Rex. T-Rex. Shokun very much. My pleasure. God bless you. And Shokun very much to everyone who tuned in and listened. Please follow us on all our social media accounts. There you can receive updates and send in topic and speaker suggestions, which will be in the show notes. Shokun very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 